first day of school was always an important event in elementary and middle school, but by high school I was sort of over it because I thought I had everything figured out. But my first day of college felt even scarier than my first day of kindergarten, except that this time it was up to me to figure everything out and I didn't have an adult in the room at all times. I knew where my classes were, I knew my professor's names, I had all my books weighing me down, but the second I stepped through the doors all of that flew out of my head. College was a huge change and it shoved me onto a tightrope that I didn't feel prepared to walk. Hi. My name's Caden. I like campfires, shredding the slopes on my snowboard, and turning in assignments weeks after they're due. Hi, my name is Sophia, and I like going on walks, watching Christmas Vacation on repeat, and doing school assignments weeks ahead of the due date. Hi, I'm Maya. I like writing, hiking, and turning in every assignment at the last possible second. Welcome to Modern Story Podcast, episode number nine. Today we're telling stories about maturing and learning lessons with age. Within all of our stories, we explore parts of our past as well as parts of our future. As life goes on, we're presented with new challenges each and every day, whether we choose to be presented with those challenges or not. It's kind of like being shoved onto a tightrope with barely any forewarning. And as we are shoved onto this tightrope, we learn lessons that help us to mature and evolve as people. Let's get started with Caden and his story called 21 Going On Forever. I woke up 21 this morning. Well, I fell asleep around 12.08 last night, so I guess I went to bed 21. I'm usually not a morning person, but today I practically jumped out of bed at the first alarm. I was even up early enough to make myself some scrambled eggs and toast. I mean, come on, I'm 21, with my whole life ahead of me. Gotta start off strong today. I grabbed a pair of Nike athletic shorts and a Bethel t-shirt that's just a little too tight on my chest then pulled the brown, crumpled-up paper out of my brand spanking new pair of Jordan 5 Retros and laced them up for the first time. My girlfriend Hannah couldn't wait to give them to me, so they had been out of the box for two days just sitting on my desk, patiently waiting for a thoughtful, responsible adult to put them on. Careful not to crease the fresh white high tops, I grabbed my Prius keys off the hook in my apartment and waddled down the cement stairs to the parking lot. I'm 21 now. I can't be running late to things anymore. Hey, hey, big birthday boy in the room, Coach Parnell said when I walked into the small office decorated with photos and trophies of Bethel football's past. The clock in the bottom corner of the screen read 7.01 a.m. Dang it. Almost on time. The two older quarterbacks who were ahead of me on the death chart, Jaron and George, were already sitting on one side of the table designed to look like a football field. The other side was Alex and Jack. They're both younger than I am, but they too were ahead of me until knee, knee injuries ended their seasons. How old are you now? 20? Parnell asked. I'm 21, I said in a deeper voice than I needed, shaking my head and smiling a little. I sat down on Jaron and George's side. They both sipped hot coffee from styrofoam cups. Easy now, big guy, Parnell said with a laugh. The other quarterbacks grinned and chimed in their birthday wishes. Any big plans for tonight? Everybody asked me that, all day long. With eyebrows raised as if we're in on some inside joke that will somehow go over the heads of everyone around us at a Christian university. People even commented on my mom's annual Facebook celebration of my continued existence. Happy birthday, Caden. Celebrate accordingly. Winky face. Party emoji. Happy milestone birthday, Caden. Party emoji. Party emoji. Have a wonderful celebration and please be so safe. Say hi to Hannah for me. Emoji, emoji, emoji. Thanks, Grandma. To be honest, I don't have any big plans for tonight. I was thinking about going to Buffalo Wild Wings with Hannah and a few other friends, but half of them have to go to work or a night class right after practice. I'm sure they all have some homework they need to do too. 
Tonight, I definitely could go to the bar. I'm 21. I could legally order from the adult beverage mem- menu, then get rowdy and shout at the TV as the Vikings play the Eagles on Monday Night Football. Ah, but I have world literature at 9 tomorrow morning, and I'm supposed to have read Hernando Cortez's letters to the King of Spain before class. And shoot, I just remembered I have a group presentation on writing tools for the principles of editing class tomorrow. It would be pretty immature to leave Anna out to dry on that. She always gets her homework done like five days before it's due, and she's already sent me the template that she put together on Google Slides. Part of me wants to keep doing what I've always done. Prioritize the fun, spend time with my people, avoid doing work at all costs. And today it feels like that might be exactly what people expect from me. The other part of me wants me to get my life together. A year from now I'll be student teaching in a high school, trying to enlighten the minds of teenagers who think they already know it all. Then I'll be walking across the stage at graduation, and before I know it, I'll be meeting with a financial advisor to figure out how to crawl out of all this crippling debt. And probably while I'm still paying off my college loans, I'll be working on a retirement plan so I can be done teaching before I'm 80. I don't know. I'm not the type of person who gets super excited about birthdays, but I also don't dread them. I'm only 21, after all. I love that story. Um, Even though I'm not 21 yet, I think it is relatable. Yes, thank you, Caden, for sharing that story. It was, I like the way you narrated it too. Thanks. (laughs) Do you, you think that you often challenge people's expectations or perceptions of you, or was this kind of a weird experience? Um, I, I like to, yeah. I think that I like the idea of there being expectations for me and kind of like going outside of those expectations. Um, For example, being a player on the football team, I think a lot of people have expectations that that would be the only thing that I care about and that I'm just like kind of the dumb jock stereotype. But then like, I don't know, to break that stereotype, one of the things that I've also worked on is like the clarion where I'm writing for the school newspaper. So like, I don't know, trying to go outside of those norms that are expected of me is something that, yeah, I enjoy. And then one question I have for you is, what do you think the biggest realization you had once you turned 21 was? Um, it's kind of the same every year where it's like you expect there to be big change and then you wake up and you think it's going to be something big. And then all of a sudden, like throughout the day, not even all of a sudden, just kind of gradually you're realizing like this is kind of the same stuff. But that at the same time held in the conflict or the, I don't know, the tension of the expectations of there being a big change was... I don't know. It's the same as every year growing older, I thought, but... Yeah. Sweet. Um, Thanks, fam. (laughs) Now we'll hear from Sophia in her story called The Struggle is Real. So my nine-year-old self made both my career and college decision. I decided that I was going to attend Bethel University and get my degree in elementary education, all because of a creative writing field trip I had gone on there in fourth grade. But since that decision, I have had no clue what I've been doing. So I left my phone in my English classroom freshman year of high school after class. So my teacher gave me her room key to unlock the door. But my phone remained in her room until the next day because I could not figure out how to use the key. Does anyone know why some road signs don't clearly just tell you what to do? I was driving on 35W shortly after getting my license, and there was a sign on the entrance ramp with an arrow merging into another arrow. I was very confused. Why couldn't it just say merge or lane ends instead? I have no idea how to make small talk or start a conversation with someone unless they're under the age of 10 years old and we can play Would You Rather 
as a get-to-know-you game. Seriously, though, kids will play that game for hours. Maybe instead I should make a flashcard game of the road signs. That way they won't get confused like I did. Did I mention how great of a cook I am? I know how to make a great bowl of Fruity Pebbles for breakfast. The only thing is that I sometimes end up splashing some of the milk onto the countertop. But other than that, it always tastes like pure perfection. I have had to write at least 100 papers in MLA format since middle school. But I still need to look up how to use MLA format every time I write a paper. And to be honest, I will continue to do so. For my British literature class last year, we got to ask questions or make comments about the assigned reading for the day. The one question I always wanted to ask is, could you explain to me what I just read? Because I have no clue. Though I never actually got around to asking that question. I have no idea how to edit a podcast, so this episode of Modern Story will probably have many awkward gaps. You have been forewarned. Don't worry, though. I'm really great at pretending I know exactly what I'm doing, especially when it comes to driving. I've learned that if you put one hand on top of the steering wheel and slightly tilt your head up, it will look even more convincing that you aren't confused. While over the years I have learned that it is okay to pretend sometimes and not know everything, I would appreciate it if someone could explain to me why some road signs just have pictures. Awesome. Thank you, Sophia. Um, I really enjoyed that story. Uh, the question I had right away, actually, I thought of when you started, you said that you made your college decision when you were nine years old. <laughs> How has that played out for you? Do you have any like regrets or I don't know, is there anything you wish would have gone differently? You know, I actually thought that myself. And to be honest, I think it all played out perfectly. And I guess I'll just thank God for that one, to be honest. Um, yeah, I know it's crazy to even think that it happened that way, but I'm really glad it did. I think you approach this topic like so maturely, so <laughs> stoically, but do you ever feel like, do you ever start to feel overwhelmed by all the things that you feel like you should know? And if you do, what grounds you? What, what makes you calm down? To be honest, it is a little bit overwhelming, but I feel like looking at it as a comical point of view makes it less overwhelming. And then also learning that I'm not the only one that doesn't know how to basically function as a human sometimes <laughs> makes it a lot better too. So yeah, thank you though. Okay, so now we have Maya and her story called Change Comes Early. I woke up at 2.45 the morning of August 15th and my feet hit the carpet before I, before I fully gained consciousness. Did I have everything? Suitcase, backpack, phone, shoes. I was ready to leave my host family and head back to Minnesota. Two hours later, I sat on the bus with my hand leaned, leaned against the cold glass. It was still dark in the Yakima Valley, but then we crested above a hill and I saw the sun burst into view, staining the sleeping towns beneath me with its rosy golden light. I thought back to the last day I was awake this early, the day my friends were split up after camp earlier in the summer. That morning was cold and foggy and quiet, and the sun never seemed to come out. The 11 of us had spent all week exploring the state of Washington together, and now we sat up all night in the deserted dining hall, unwilling to leave sooner than we had to. This place had become home, and the thought of being sent to live with different host families scattered across the state seemed so unknown. Around 4.30, we parted ways to change our clothes and pack our bags. I walked outside around 6 and saw Abel standing in the middle of the dirt road by himself, tall pine trees pressing in from the sides, watching for the cars that wouldn't come to pick us up for a few more hours. We couldn't just wait like that. 
I went to the shed that sat at the edge of the woods and dug through it until I found a football. Abel, I called, throwing the ball to him. He turned and caught the ball an inch from his face. I stared at him, eyes wide, feeling bad. He grinned and started laughing. Today's already a sad day, and now you're trying to kill me? Before I could defend myself, two more boys came outside. You're killing Abel? Can we help? It's not very nice, I scolded them, but sure you can. We formed a circle and started playing catch. Others joined us, and we threw hard and soft, high and low, trying to catch each other off guard. We didn't think, and we barely spoke for hours. We only laughed or cheered for each other. Eventually, cars began to arrive. Julia left, then Marcus, then Abel. Every time someone left, we all hugged them and said goodbye, and a couple people cried. Then we go back to our game, making our circle a little smaller. And now they were all home, and I was on my way home. The bus dropped me off at the SeaTac airport a couple hours before my flight left, and I made it through without a problem. I fell in and out of sleep on the flight, and woke for the last time just as we began our descent into Minneapolis, rushing through the clouds to see the city sprawled out beneath. It hit me that the summer was truly over. I'm not going to say it felt like a dream, but it hadn't felt like it was mine. I didn't leap out of bed at the sound of my alarm this morning. Do I have everything? I'm not sure. But that's alright. Something else is coming. Something very different, but just as important. I'll look for it in the early morning, and I'll recognize it when I see it. Wow. Thanks, Maya, for that awesome story. Um, so the first question I have is just basically, okay, so you were away from home this summer, correct? Yep. Where were you? I was in Washington State for seven weeks. Gotcha. Washington State. And so all these friends that you're describing leaving, you had built up these relationships. You met them in Washington State, right? Yep. We wow. met and we're just living together, doing everything together for weeks. That's cool. Yeah. I don't even have a deep question about it. I just <laughs> wanted to, yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. That's cool. I don't know. What would you say about like those relationships that you've made? Like really, if you think about it, you knew those people for seven weeks. That's not a really long time, but also the relationships that you built over just the course of the summer and how hard it must have been to, um, to finally have to leave that place. I don't know. What was that like? Yeah, I was just really trying to appreciate them and appreciate everything while we had it because we all knew that we were going to have to leave at the end of the summer. But it was still important to all of us to make those connections and to become really close with each other. And I'm just really glad that everyone, you know, was putting in that effort to make it so fun for everyone. Yeah, my, I really appreciated that story. I felt like there was some suspense to it when I was reading it for the first time, but... What was your favorite part about exploring Washington? I just want to know that. <laughs> Ooh, it was, I don't even know. There wasn't a specific thing that happened that was fun, but it was just every day waking up and knowing that there was going to be some sort of adventure. Um, it was really great. And, you know, I had great people to, to hang out with and I still talk to a lot of them. So it was just a great experience overall to make new friends. Yeah, that sounds fun. All right, so what have we learned today? Let's see, I learned that even though we all mature and continue to learn lessons over the years, that process of learning and maturing looks very different for everyone. Uh, I learned that nobody really knows what they're doing, <laughs> and we're all just kind of trying to figure it out one step at a time. I learned that change isn't always bad, but that we all approach it in very different ways. Sweet. Well, we want to thank some people for helping us uh, put out this Modern Story podcast at Bethel University in St. Paul. 
Yes, thank you so much to Professor Chris Schaffner and his teaching assistants for maintaining the podcast studio and giving us access to it. Thanks to the writers such as Aaron Barker, Johnny Opping, and Soraya Kaiser who inspired our stories. And we should thank each other for our edits. Yes, thank, <laughs> thank you, you both. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, look forward to the next episode of Modern Story Podcast. It is episode 10 called Running Into Trouble, which is about doing good even when it's not recognized. Um, it'll be performed by Max Huberty, Audrey Anderson, and Cam McConnell. And lastly, make sure to go tell all of your friends about Modern Story. And your dentist. And your pet squirrel. And your imaginary friends.